Finding Home is a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society. The Society is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to research, present, and preserve information about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. Greetings. I'm Margaret Lynch of the Irish American Archives Society. Welcome to Finding Home. It's a podcast series about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. I spoke in an earlier episode about people of Irish birth or descent entering government service after the Civil War. Last episode, I mentioned Protestant backlash against Irish Catholic political candidates in the 1890s. So what happened in between? Today, I'd like to catch up on the topic of local politics and government through the 1890s and early 1900s. It's been a few episodes, so I need to recap a bit. Some of Cleveland's basic governmental structures were put in place way back in the 1810s. The first mayor, the first justice of the peace, the first court of common pleas, the first courthouse and jail. Additional layers of government were added gradually through the decades. Irish people started to move to Cleveland in noticeable numbers in the 1820s and 1830s, but decades passed before the Irish had a significant presence in local government. An early exception was Patrick Farley, an Irish immigrant who came to Cleveland in about 1833. Early on, Farley secured the commission for delivering mail. In the 1850 census, he was listed as a mail agent. Also in 1850, a Michael Gallagher was elected city constable. Gallagher may have been the city's first elected Irish officeholder. In the 1860s and 1870s, after the Civil War, the city's Irish officeholders were most often people who had been in Cleveland since before the famine. Tugboat owner Patrick Smith, whose family came to Cleveland in about 1836, was first elected in 1869 to represent Ward 8, the Angle neighborhood, on Cleveland's city council. John Farley, son of mailman Patrick, joined the city council ranks in 1871 and would soon serve as city council president. Hugh Blee, who had been a Grand Marshal of the city's first St. Patrick's Day parade in 1842, was appointed to serve on the city's Board of Health in the early 1870s. A few relative newcomers also emerged then. In 1870, Edward Costello joined Patrick Smith in representing the 8th Ward on City Council. Each ward had three representatives at the time. Costello was a one-time coal heaver and soon-to-be undertaker. As the 1870s moved along, more and more Irish immigrants became active in local government, often the same folks who were active in Irish groups. In 1875, the local Democratic Party nominating convention was like Old Home Week. William J. Gleason, a delegate from the 6th Ward, was serving as convention secretary, as he often did at Irish meetings. Other delegates included John Farley from the 3rd Ward. Michael Murphy, the father of oilman Jeremiah Murphy, represented Ward 13, and Hibernian Guard and Civil War veteran James K. O'Reilly stood up for Ward 15. Nominated office seekers included Martin Fran for city prosecutor, Hugh Blee's son Robert for police commissioner, Councilman Edward Costello for infirmary director, and Patrick Smith for waterworks trustee. Newburgh's soon-to-be undertaker Michael McGrail was nominated as a constable. Hotel owner and Fenian supporter Barney McCarty was put forward for street commissioner, but McCarty came in second to a German candidate. 
the German man had to promise the assembly that, quote, if elected, he should favor no nationality and his first assistant should be an Irishman, end quote. The Irish were beginning to exert some muscle, especially in Democratic Party politics. In the 1880s, Irish folks achieved even higher-ranking offices. Patrick Smith was elected county commissioner in 1883. In the same year, John Farley was elected mayor, and Martin Ferran was elected to U.S. Congress. Halfway through Ferran's first term of office in Washington, D.C., he came back to Cleveland for a visit. Democratic Party supporters staged a welcome home parade. One of the organizers was lawyer W.J. Hart, Ferran's political protege. It was noted in the Plain Dealer that Hart was serving then as Justice of the Peace, an office responsible at that time for adjudicating small claims. The parade participants suggest the strong labor component to Democratic Party support. In the line of march were molders, seamen, coopers, cigar makers, tinners, printers, painters, carpenters, tailors, bricklayers, blacksmiths, joiners, plasters, boilermakers, machinists, and locomotive engineers. Each occupation was represented by a union. Irish Americans occupied the mayor's office twice in the 1890s. Railroad man Robert Blee, son of the First Parade Grand Marshal, served from 1893 to 1894. John Farley came back for a second stint as mayor from 1899 to 1900. Prominent Irishmen served in both administrations. Farley, for instance, appointed paving contractor Edward Cowley as street superintendent. A coal heaver in his early days, Cowley represented Ward 8, the Angle neighborhood, for several terms on city council. Cowley served on the reception committee for the visit of Charles Stewart Parnell in 1880. He was a Land League supporter, and he represented St. Malachy's Temperance Society at Catholic Central Association meetings. Cowley led the 1877 St. Patrick's Day Parade as Grand Marshal. The mayor who succeeded John Farley was not Irish, but he garnered support across a broad spectrum of the Irish community. That man was the progressive reformer Tom L. Johnson. Born in Kentucky, Johnson had to work from age 11. He found his first perch in the railroad business selling newspapers on railroad cars, then progressed to a railroad clerk. He invented and manufactured a glass-sided fare box for streetcars, just as street railways were taking off in the 1870s. He invested in this new mode of transportation in St. Louis, Detroit, Brooklyn, and Cleveland. Manufacturing steel rails for streetcar tracks was his next venture. In 1883, Johnson moved to Cleveland, building a house on Euclid Avenue, Millionaire's Row. Reading books by a political philosopher changed his life. The Johnstown, Pennsylvania flood of 1889 also confirmed his belief that private charity was not up to solving society's problems. Johnson decided to run for U.S. representative in 1890. Martin A. Ferran was a prominent supporter. Ferran brought Johnson to meet the candidate events at the short-lived Irish American Club. Johnson won the congressional election. Streetcar railways increasingly became Johnson's focus for local reform. Vowing to make transportation more accessible for ordinary workers, he began to promote a three-cent fare. Five cents had been the prevailing rate. Laborers such as Thomas Coal Oil Masterson, a city parks worker, rallied to the cause. 
Johnson clashed with Mark Hanna, a Cleveland businessman and railroad director who had established himself as a Republican kingmaker by promoting William McKinley as president. In 1900, a group of Democratic Party members staged a performative draft of Johnson to run for mayor of Cleveland. The group met in a hall beforehand, then proceeded together to Johnson's Euclid Avenue mansion. Forewarned, Johnson had chairs set up in his ballroom and a luncheon prepared. The spokespeople included lawyer W.J. Hart and W.J. Gleason, notwithstanding Gleason's purported shift to the Republican Party. Undertaker Joseph McGorry was also part of the group. McGorry's father, Mark, had been a Democratic Party activist behind the scenes. His son, Joseph, was serving on Cleveland City Council in 1900 and would run for county sheriff in 1906. Also among the group that day was another Irish-born public servant who strongly supported Johnson's reform efforts. P.J. McKenney, known as Honest Pat, was serving as county commissioner in 1900. Honest Pat had begun his political career on city council. Both in city council and as county commissioner, McKenney was focused on creating a transfer system that would allow passengers to transfer cheaply and easily from one streetcar line to another. McKenney was born in County Leitrim and came to Cleveland via Chicago in about 1870. A stonemason and contractor, McKenney helped build Immaculate Conception Church, his longtime parish. As a steadfast Hibernian at a time when the Hibernians were the ones upholding the St. Patrick's Day Parade, McKenney was named Parade Grand Marshal four years in a row from 1888 to 1891. McKenney died in the midst of Johnson's mayoral campaign, was serving on the finance committee. His plain dealer obituary claimed, and I quote, By his death, Cleveland loses a citizen who had gained and merited the respect of a host of friends, and the Democratic Party an honored and enthusiastic worker, whose party labor and fealty began 30 years ago here and continued until within a few days of his sickness, end quote. During Johnson's tenure as mayor, Irish candidates kept pushing political boundaries. In 1901, Thomas E. Callahan became the first Catholic and the first Irish Catholic to be elected to a county judgeship on the insolvency court. Callahan was typical of the coming generation. He was born in Cleveland in 1865 to immigrant parents. His father, Jeremiah Callahan, was a tinsmith who became a stove and furniture manufacturer successful enough to send his son Thomas to Notre Dame University in South Bend. The elder Callahan was active in Democratic Party politics. His son Thomas gained admittance to the bar in 1885, joining up with Democrat W.J. Hart and another partner, H.W. Canfield. With a promising career ahead of him, Callahan promoted the creation of a juvenile court. However, he died of heart failure in 1904 at the age of 39. Irish Republicans were also advancing in the early 1900s. Thomas M. Kennedy achieved a county court seat a year after Callahan did. Kennedy was born in Ireland in 1859, arriving in Cleveland in 1878. He attended Adelbert College, part of today's Case Western Reserve, and went to law school in Cincinnati. After earlier stints as a police prosecutor and prosecuting attorney in police court, Kennedy served on the Court of Common Pleas from 1902 to 1934, all as a Republican. Another prominent Irish Republican, Michael P. Mooney, immigrated to Cleveland in about 1884 with his brother James P. Mooney. Both brothers became lawyers. 
James served as Assistant City Law Director and Assistant County Prosecutor, Michael as Assistant City Corporation Counsel, and on the Civil Service Commission. Tom L. Johnson's run as mayor lasted until 1909, but his management of the city's police department may have cost some Irish votes along the way. A bit of context. The city's police department was organized after the Civil War. The policemen who had gone on the force in its first decade were either in their prime or nearing retirement in the 1890s and early 1900s. Despite a strong Irish presence on the force, the highest leadership ranks had eluded Irish officers. Take, for instance, James McMahon. Born in County Clare, McMahon had been orphaned during the early years of the famine. In 1849, at age 13, he immigrated on his own to Quebec. He learned the trades of blacksmithing and toolmaking in New York State, coming to Cleveland in 1860. McMahon enlisted in the Civil War effort and joined the new police force in 1865. Promoted quickly, he even served briefly as acting superintendent in 1870. However, once he was appointed deputy superintendent in 1880, he stalled at that rank. McMahon finally decided to retire as deputy superintendent in 1896. Another well-regarded contemporary, Michael English, stalled at the rank of captain. Born in County Mayo, Ireland, English came to Cleveland in about 1864. He married Celia Gallagher of the pioneering Gallagher 99 family. Along with his brother-in-law, Farrell Gallagher, English joined the Cleveland Police Force in 1871. English lived with his Gallagher in-laws on Spring Street in Ward 3 at first, then moved his family to Washington Street in the Angle, where they would stay. Widowed in 1882, English was left to raise five children on his own. English, who was known for his physical strength and courage, was promoted to lieutenant in 1884 and captain in 1893. He was supposed to have quelled a labor ride on the iron ore docks single-handedly and took on the Triangle Gang in his own neighborhood. Michael English survived one attempt to eliminate his position in 1899, when the director of police at that time tried to force the retirement of four captains. English's brother-in-law, Farrell Gallagher, who had already retired from the detective force at the rank of lieutenant, used his position on the pension board to maneuver a successful injunction on English's behalf. When Tom L. Johnson became mayor, a policeman of Irish descent was finally promoted to the top position of director of police. But the move was controversial. In August 1901, Johnson elevated a longtime lieutenant named John Dunn. Born in New York, Dunn had come to Cleveland as a young man. He worked at first in a woolen mill, joining the police force in 1870. The plane dealer, under the headline, One Leap, put him at the top, noted that the surprising appointment was, quote, a distinct innovation from a political standpoint, end quote. Johnson had bypassed several ranks to promote Dunn. Johnson felt there were too many layers of bureaucracy in the police department and decided that the rank of captain was the most expendable. In November 1902, Johnson asked Dunn to demand resignations from the six captains who'd been Dunn's superiors, including Michael English. When asked what he thought of the move, English told the plain dealer reporter, and I quote, I have nothing at all to say. I obey orders and form no opinions. I must dance to the tune that is played. End quote. 
Whether or not the firing of the popular Michael English had something to do with it, the angle turned against Tom L. Johnson in 1909. The Engle neighborhood had elected Democrats to city council for decades, but saloon owner Bernard Brick Masterson decided to help defeat the progressive mayor in 1909 by mobilizing the Angle against him. Masterson then groomed a Republican candidate to defeat a three-term Democratic incumbent for city council in 1917. Another undertaker, this one Michael Holywater Gallagher, was Brick Masterson's pick. Gallagher was born and raised in the Angle to immigrant parents. His father was a foreman on the C&P docks. His mother ran a boarding house. Not only did Michael Holywater Gallagher win the city council election as a Republican, but he dominated Angle politics for decades. The Angle's Republican club was still sporting Gallagher's name well into the 1920s. Today, I'd like you to remember a slew of folks of Irish birth and descent who entered into the fray of Cleveland politics and city government in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. A few of the new names this episode were P.J. McKenney, Thomas Callahan, Thomas Kennedy, James McMahon, Michael English, Brick Masterson, and Michael Holywater Gallagher. These folks and many more served in various capacities, knitting themselves into the fabric of the city's life. Thanks for listening. I'm Margaret Lynch. Have a great day. You've been listening to Finding Home, a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society of Cleveland. Find out more about the Society or get in touch at irisharchives.org.